Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. Thank you for coming today. If we haven't met, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Rich is over uh, hanging out with his oldest daughter, Tori, at Washington State University. Uh, so uh, just safe travels for him and just what a great weekend uh, with his daughter. Um, and uh, as we jump in today, we're just going to jump right into a new series um, because the boss is gone. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, this was his idea. Uh, but there's always a lot of pressure if you're starting somebody else's sermon series because everything I say, like, determines what he's going to say in the coming weeks. So pray for me. Give me grace. Um, but as we jump into the holiday season, because it is here and it is the most wonderful time of the year, um, I thought that we would be proactive and get ahead of the, the bustle and the busy of the holiday season. Um, is anybody already done with their Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. Oh, right there. I mean, pretty soon Christmas morning is going to be Amazon drones, like dropping gifts, like... That you, and your kids are like, I get a drone. You're like, sorry. But I thought we could get ahead of it and just level the playing field. If, we could, if I could just clear the air once and for all, because it's not just in the holiday bustle, but throughout our everyday life. Can we just all agree we share this one common bond? And it's around... This four-letter word that we hear a lot, and maybe we say a lot without even knowing it, but can we just agree that we are all busy? And here's where I have good news for you today. I'm not going to be the pastor that stands up here, as I've been in the past, I've been convicted of this, attacking busy. I'm not going to attack our busyness today, because um, busy isn't really the enemy. It's actually just part of our life. It's, it's an excuse we sometimes use to feel better about having a full schedule instead of fulfilling a purpose. Like, that's, that's how I've used busy before. Because there's something that happens when my schedule is full that makes me feel something about myself. Whether it's accomplished or important or needed sometimes wanted. There's something about being busy that is not going to change. We all have to work. We all have to take care of the kids. We have to run uh, here and there. And we don't even have kids doing sports yet. That's going to be a whole nother life. My wife was crazy enough to throw a puppy in the mix this year. So, like, we're busy. But, but I wonder if if we stop viewing busyness as the enemy or as an excuse and we actually just embraced it for what it was and we gave some intentionality to the pace in which we live our life. See, we're all wired a little bit differently um, because I also want to note that um, busy isn't the same for you as it is for me. So I'm not going to try and say that. Busy is kind of a relative term, right? Um, if you think of busyness in terms of the rhythm in which people live life, uh, the pace in which people go through their life, they schedule their commitments, uh, the attitude and the mindset and the presence that they bring. Some people are just frantic and panicked. 
and they only have one thing to do. And some people are calm, cool, and collected, and they have more to do than they're ever going to get done. So there's, it's a little bit relative. And to illustrate this, I just thought the simplest way was through uh, the gift of music, which is rhythmic. And so I would like to show you the rhythm of my wife Savannah's life, at least her preferred rhythm. Beautiful and slow and melodic and methodical and calculated. And every note is perfectly placed with the perfect amount of space and rest to breathe in between. Can you just picture yourself on a lake, rowing on a boat, forward? So that's my wife, Savannah. All right, we love her. But then there's people like me who like to live life at this rhythm. Like, you know this. We talk about this. We joke about me all the time. I bounce from here to there, conversation to conversation. My schedule is packed full. I made the mistake in the last month of not scheduling travel time in between my meetings. So there's lots of frustrated people because I'm always late. But there's this intensity that comes with our busyness. So, whatever busy may be for you, it's not a matter of whether being less busy or is busy the enemy. I think it's actually more about how are we going to be busy. And what if we embraced it and empowered it simply by this idea of intentional living? A better way to be busy. It's a great tagline. So all this month, we're going to be exploring the idea, wondering if, if we stop making busy the bad guy, is there just a better way to be busy? And to understand if there's a better way to be busy at all, we actually have to understand what's behind our busy. We have to understand what's happening that's informing and shaping our busyness. See, in this series, we're going to look at What's behind our busy? And we're going to see if it's responsible for life that we're living that's either passing us by or a life that we're pursuing on purpose. See, there's a difference between just existing and living life because you may feel like in the hustle and bustle of the holiday season and everyone around you and all the Christmas parties that you're deciding whether or not to go to or you just want to be invited to or how many you're going to host yourself. It maybe it feels like life's just passing you by. But what if there was a different way and your life was actually being lived on purpose? Here's how this series is going to break down. We're going to take a look in the coming weeks on how what you're pursuing determines your priorities. And your priorities are actually going to dictate your pace and your presence in life. How fast you're going about life, how much you commit to do, how much you say yes to do, your capacity and your bandwidth is going to impact how capable you are of being fully present in moments. Your pace and your presence define your perspective, the way in which you view the world around you, and your perspective is actually going to direct your praise. 
So in this month where we focus on being thankful, we're going to get a head start at the beginning of the month instead of waiting for one day at the end of the month to remember what we're thankful for. We're going to go on this journey together to see what does it mean or look like and how can it actually impact our lives if we intentionally and mindfully not only understood what's driving us, but how we can intentionally be thankful and understand who the object of our praise and affection is. You see, there's, there's this problem, though, with living intentionally. There's a chasm between what we want to do and what we actually do. There, there's this, this chasm that um, I struggle sometimes to cross. Well, sometimes it's, that's generous most of the time. And it's actually a psychological thing in our brains and our minds called the intention-action gap. Have you heard of this? If you haven't heard of it, maybe you've experienced it. It's the idea that you get a really good idea that sounds like a really good thing to do, and you're really excited about doing that thing, like date night. But then, somewhere between having that great idea and those feelings that you have in the moment of this is going to be the best thing ever, I am the greatest husband ever, life happens. And you forget to plan, and then date night comes around, and you drive around in the car for an hour and a half just trying to decide where to eat dinner. And then by the time you sit down and eat dinner, you find out that you got to get home because the baby's puking on grandma. And it's rushed, and the time is gone, and then where did we get? What? I had great intentions. We see this around New Year's resolutions. Is November a good time to check back in on those? <laughs> but it's the world we live in. We see this happen. See, the gap is what occurs in our mind and behavior that, that becomes the difference between having good intentions and being intentional. If you've ever met with me a lot, this idea of intentionality just resonates with my soul, my philosophy of ministry that, that bleeds out into the work I do. Because I've seen so much the power of doing simple, small things intentionally over a long period of time, consistently having a great impact. Have you ever tried to start a new habit? Like, when you tried to just have it figured out day one, did you succeed? No. But there's something about starting with small, manageable, measurable wins consistently over a period of time. It's this concept called habit stacking that actually builds up to the thing that you want. See, here's what I want us to take a look at today as we understand a little bit more of the power of intentional living. And if we're going to stop making busy the bad guy and embrace it for what it is and, and live, live it out in a little bit better way, followers of Jesus don't respond to God's convictions with good intentions. 
They respond with intentional living, taking action that reflects the transformed life and a renewed mind. We'll say this again, followers of Jesus, for those of us who are here today saying we have decided to follow Jesus, not just we got out of hell free, but no, we have made a, a declaration with our lives to follow Jesus the way that he lived and loved. See, we don't just respond to God's conviction with good intentions and wishful thinking. What we do is we respond with intentional living, taking action that reflects a transformed life and a renewed mind. See, and this is probably going to get unpacked on the week that we talk about pace, but it's the difference between striving for something versus striding with someone. See, the invitation to follow Jesus is a life not built by striving to be better. It's about striding side by side towards something on purpose with the one who's the best. That's what this invitation to follow Jesus is like. But all too often we get consumed and berated with a barrage of busyness. And the world that's swirling around us keeps us from being at peace. We're left unintentionally resorting to our best intentions. And a life that ultimately is full of activity but accomplishing nothing. That's not the life that we're invited to. It says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. says, don't copy the patterns or behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, don't copy the patterns and the customs of this world. doesn't mean hide from the world. It says, no, you're going to be immersed in this. The question is, how intentional are you going to live your life to not be affected by this? The whirlwind swirling around us in, in the world today, in the media today, is overwhelming. It can leave you helpless, hopeless, hurting. The pain and the suffering that you face in this life will leave you helpless, hopeless, and hurting. But see, there's something about the connection between our actions and our behavior and what we actually do with this life we have. This side of eternity, there's some connection between what we actually do and why we do it that's connected to the way that we think, to our mind. See, God in his grace didn't make us robots. He chose to give us choice and free will. And when he created us, he created us for relationship with him. And a relationship that to love him fully required a choice. And so he willingly gave us that choice. 
And then he gave us a purpose. He put us at the top of the food chain and said, hey, I have stuff for you to do so you're not just sitting around feeling like you're wasting time. So you actually feel empowered to join me in the cultivation of this creation. And the God of the universe says, you have dominion over all of it. Choose how you steward it. See, and now, here we are, living life. And we're wondering, who's actually shaping our behavior? Can that Romans verse go back up? Are we just copying the patterns of the world? Are we just caught up in the hustle and the bustle? Or are we actually letting God transform us into a new person? This is key. See, if we're just copying the pattern and the customs of this world that has more self-help books than we know what to do with, we're going to try and change ourselves. We're going to try and do it ourselves. And, and every time we make that decision, we jump on this hamster wheel. And we start going, spinning. Every step of the way, every decision we make, trying to do it in our own strength. And what happens we're left tired, exhausted, defeated, feeling like we're going nowhere, or just running around, passing up every opportunity. I don't know what it is for you, but there's something that happens when we make the decision and we choose to let God transform us into a new person, and he does it. Not by changing our behavior, because God gave us dominion over our behavior. But he will help us change our mind, which determines what we do. Why is this important? Because then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So, intentional living begins with this. Intentional living begins with identifying what's informing what you believe and then choosing to let God change your mind about your wants being better than his will for your life. Sorry for anybody that likes proper grammar. I'm realizing in this moment how that sounds out loud versus in my head where it made sense. The point's this. When we actually start identifying what's actually informing what we believe. What are the influences around us that we are taking in, the pieces of data that are going into our brains and then being processed by those brains, consciously and unconsciously, shaping what we actually believe, not just what we know, but what we believe, because the difference between knowing and believing is action, and then we make the decision to let God be the one to change our minds about the truth that what, what we want isn't as good as his will for our life. See, if we choose to let God be the one and we hand over, say, God, take all of our wants. Take my wants, my selfish desires, and just give me your will. Reveal that to me. It changes the way we pray. It changes what we ask for. It changes the way we view people. Because the slowly our view and our vantage point shifts from me, myself, and I to those around us. 
See, the people that we care about. The people that we get so consumed being busy that we are filled with shame and regret, lamenting the missed opportunities. Our youngest, Lexi, turned three this last week. And I'm going, I'm missing time. I'm losing time. And I look at all the intentionality that has gone into her journey that we've invested in helping her overcome all these hurdles and struggles that she's faced. And I was challenged going, am I going to invest the same amount of intentionality and effort into showing her what it means to be loved by Jesus? Am I going to be present enough to make the time to show her what it means like to be loved by a, a heavenly father? Am I going to change my day, my schedule, my week to revolve around her and Isaac and Ellie and Savannah, the people that God has put closest to me and he's entrusted to my care? Or am I going to reduce my care for them to earning a paycheck to pay the mortgage? So I could justify being busy, taking one more meeting, taking one more conversation. See, it's a double-edged sword for people like pastors who work with people. Everything I do is managing and investing in relationships. And so that means my relational capital and energy is spent out to do my job. And the number of times that I've wanted, I've started with the best intentions going into date, light, date night. But then I sat across from my wife going, I got nothing left to give. All happens in seasons where I'm not being intentional. But my wife will be the first to tell you that my good intentions are never good enough. But what if we chose to let God change our minds about our wants being better than his will? See, we can see this modeled in the way Jesus lived his life. Because if we're following him and we're being transformed into his likeness, his image, then we can learn some things uh, from the way he lived life, not just the words he spoke. What gives that power and authority? Well, Jesus was the word. He was God made flesh who dwelt among us, he was the full, perfect expression of the God of the universe, made in a human form so that we could tangibly know and understand the God we're invited into relationship with. That's who Jesus was. So, I don't believe that it's just conjecture when we take a look at things like how he lived his life, in addition to the words he said. See, Jesus lived in this rhythm modeled uh, in this triangle that we use a lot, if you've heard of our student ministries called United, our philosophy of ministry, all revolves around um, building intentional relationships and investing in, in relationships with students so that we can model um, this Christ-like rhythm of life. And it's crazy because we get people to invest more than anywhere else I see. They invest in relationships by giving of their times, their their emotions, their energy. And it's this simple rhythm of up, in, and out. Up, in, and out. Here's what this means. 
Jesus, we see this after he gets done feeding 5,000 people. Jesus should have been exhausted. He needed, he deserved some me time. But it's usually after ministry time when Jesus deserved me time, he went to have time with his father. See, he knew that when he prioritized and was intentional about getting time and looking up to his heavenly father and understanding him, that he would be reminded and fully know who he was created to be. That's true for us. We know that we have a purpose when we know our Heavenly Father. See, and when we have a right understanding of our relationship with God, then we can have a right understanding of our identity that we carry with us into our personal relationships. So then in, it's with, within our family and our community, the next sphere of relationships that we have, we see Jesus operate after he would spend time with the Father privately, he would come down and personally, he would invest his life and share his life with his family and his community, his disciples. He spent more time with them than he did the crowds. He also chose to start this movement that is responsible for us being here today with those 12 instead of the crowds. See, Jesus invested in a very personal level. And then out is what do we do out of this private and personal state? Well, publicly we're going to be on mission doing the right work, doing the work of being being Jesus to the world around us. And we don't do that alone, we do that with community. What does this have to do with being intentional? Well, I think we see in the intentional rhythm of Jesus' life, we actually see a formula for how we can actually shape our minds and how God wants to change our minds and transform the patterns that we live our lives by. See, now we're just going to have fun with words. So if you like grammar, I'm sorry. But see, when we look up, it's actually this idea of what is getting our attention dictates the information we're taking in. Everything around us is giving us information that our brain is processing. So what gets our attention, what gets our focus is going to determine everything that comes in. And what comes in actually forms something. So the information we take in forms our feelings, our emotions, and our thinking, which are what drives our actions. See, what we take in, so if we are taking in the promises of the God of the universe, it doesn't matter what's happening externally, we're going to be more likely to be at peace. But if we're just caught up in the chaos and the hurricane of everyone else's busyness, we're going to lose sight of the one who calms the storm. See, and the, the information that we take in, it, it, it forms us in, in two ways. It either is passively pervasive, meaning as we just go along, like I was just saying, it's just pervasively in getting into our hearts, our souls. We see this in social media. It's all around us. People have more ways to connect today than ever before, but they're, le they're less connected than they've ever known. 
And so they want more and more and more and more to try and fill this need. Or we can pursue information and take in things and focus our attention on things that are pursued on purpose. See, when we pursue things on purpose, it actually is going to affirm our purpose. And it's the difference between living out a life where we're just doing imitation of what's around us and the busyness of the world, or we're going to know the God of the universe and be able to be a full expression of him as Jesus was for us, and we can be the incarnation of the risen Lord. We can be a tangible expression and experience of Jesus Christ to everyone that we encounter. And we can live out an incarnation just as he did. See, and what's going to come out if we're just living in and we're motivated to imitate what's happening around us, then it's going to lead to a life of, of intentions. Good intentions, bad intentions. It's not intentional. It's going to be a life filled with unmet, unkept, empty promises. Pursuing things that will never satisfy. Just chasing after them. Or we could be intentional. And as we're connected with our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, reminded daily that we don't deserve this relationship, but we are filled with joy at the realization that it exists at all. We will think differently, and our lives will be innovated. We can live a life of innovation. I'm not talking about coming up with a new iPhone. I'm talking about actually transforming your life. People make fun of me, not only because I alliterate things a lot, but I will also like get redundant in my explanations of things. So if you were to ask me to define innovation in terms of relationship or in terms of uh, something that you're trying to accomplish, it's intentional improvement. Well, would you ever try to improve something unintentionally? No, but innovation is to intentionally improve something. See, and when we're are consumed with not just what the universe says about us, but concerned with who the God of the universe says we are, it's going to transform the way that we live. See, we're either imitating the world around us or we're incarnating the creator of the world. Those are our two options. So what else does God's word have to say about this? James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. These few short verses can be summed up simply like this. About intentional living. Doing what God's word says transforms our lives more than knowing what it says. 
See, and again, this is in the context of not trying to do more to be better, but when we actually hear it and we take it into our lives and then we apply it to our lives and we actually apply the work of trust to our faith and we are obedient to a God that we are trusting to have a better will for us than the wants we have for ourselves. What happens is we are transformed. First Peter 1, chapter 13, or chapter 1, verses 13 through 14 says this. It continues speaking about our minds. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. See, God in his grace even acknowledges that our best intentions are unintentional. See, our, our life that is lived where we are focusing on our selfish desires and giving in to temptation and wanting to be number one. God, in his grace, says this, you didn't know any better. But there's, there's a better way. There's a way, there's, there's a more intentional way to keep yourself from slipping back into that. And it's a little bit more than hearing my word once a week. It's actually spending time with me throughout the week. Spending time with me before anything else. See, and it's, it's really about spending time because we can't make time. We all have the same amount. 168 hours. We all have that. You take out uh, 45 hours for work and 56 hours for sleep. We're left with 67 hours that at our discretion, meaning our choice, we choose how to intentionally invest. We will either invest that time in a way that prioritizes the God of the universe, which will every time call us to reflect him in how we spend those hours. As we close and the worship team comes, there's this quote by an author I love, and I quote him a lot. His name is John Ortberg. And he says, the best place to start doing life with God is in small moments. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in everyday life with God. I've used this before. Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. You don't think Jesus was busy? He was busier than I'll ever be. He had people pulling at him from every direction. But he was never hurried. He was always present. I think on the walk to Jairus' house, this man in a 
panic because his daughter is about to die. I would be in the same state of mind. He says, Jesus, you have to come quickly. She's going to die. And Jesus doesn't break his stride. He doesn't go running. He continues to walk, knowing that he had a purpose. And that purpose was that his father was going to be glorified. He knew where he was going. He knew what was going to happen. So he keeps walking. The crowd starts to get frantic. Jesus, let's go. Come on. But then out of nowhere, this lady who had been bleeding for 12 years says, I don't know if I'm going to get my moment. So she claws her way through the bottom of the crowd and she just reaches out and just touches him. And he heals her. That could have been enough. He could have just kept walking. But no, Jesus stops. At this point, if I'm Jairus, I'm starting to lose my mind. He stops and he is present with her. He gives her his attention. She looks into the eyes of her creator and sees love. She doesn't just see an answer to prayer. We have to slow down. See, if you're unwilling to slow down and move towards God in relationship with him, you'll miss God moving in the relationships that matter to you most. See, all the things that we want to invest our time in, the things that we want to get to, if we don't slow down and make, make the intentional effort to spend time investing in that relationship and move towards a God who says, if you seek me, you'll find me. We'll miss seeing him move in the relationships around us that matter most because we won't know his voice. We won't know his face. We won't see his hand. But when we're in this place where we're looking and we know who we're listening for, what we're looking for, we'll see him. So you stand as we close out in prayer today. We're going to sing a song of worship. The ushers are going to come and take our offering and this week, what is one thing, one area that maybe you can be a little more intentional? Holy God, I thank you so much for who you are. I pray that this week we would know, we'd know that you aren't far away. God, you've come before us and you go ahead of us and you're right beside us. Sometimes you just want us to slow down, just to know that you're there. God, I pray that we would hear your voice in new ways this week. We would see your face and the faces of those we love as we move from our good intentions to actually being intentional and being disciplined enough do the work that you've invited us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.